So welcome to the show, Suzanne. And it's good to be here. Thanks for uh, taking the time. So few listeners who may not know who you are, kind of give us a little background and uh, tell us okay. about your seed. Okay, let's see. I'm Lincoln since the early 80s. I came up here to be a journalism major, which uh, is the degree, sorry. Um, I uh, graduated and was promptly subpoenaed to be on a grand jury, which is the craziest <laughs> story. Um, so that grand jury was for a Commonwealth, it was Commonwealth Savings and Loan, which was a big, You, I don't know if you all remember that in our city's history, but um, it was a big scandal from a family who uh, there was some inappropriate dealings in their uh, savings and loan. And a long story short, actually a two year story, um, I was on a week off a week of jury duty for two years. So I never actually got into broadcasting. Instead, that during the, the jury time, my husband and I got married. So they recessed for two weeks so that we could get married and go on our honeymoon. And then, um, and then, so we have lived, I guess, happily ever after. Since then, I uh, was in sales and communications for about 20 years. And then I also spent quite a bit of time raising children at home. So, and not necessarily in that order. It was actually raising children at home and getting into sales and, um, and communications. And then had a, just a hobby of, of understanding and observing politics. And one night, the, a friend of mine just kind of threw down a challenge that I should run for office. And it was crazy. One of the right things said at the right time. And my husband and I went home and talked about it and prayed about it. And two weeks later, I was running for the legislature. And a year and a half later, I was there. So... That is a long life in a real short, not <laughs> short set yeah. uh, paragraph. So, anyway, we have a story. Been, yeah. So, how I'm, long have you been at, as senator for us? I am in my seventh year. So, I will be term limited after next year. Okay. All right. And of course, I'm sure that has something to do with your deciding to run for mayor. It does. I wish the timing was just a little different. Um, I'm a finisher. I love, uh, I don't start puzzles that I don't finish. I don't read books. I don't finish. Even if it's a bad one, I finish it. Um, so not, not potentially not finishing a term is, ah, uh, it's a little frustrating to me, but I don't dictate the timing of the, um, of the election. So the time is right. Tell us about your legislative accomplishments what what are you uh, most proud of as you kind of reach the end of your your tenure there as a, as a senator for us and uh, and then what are you working on this year and uh, what what what's really important i know this is our the biannual uh, budget process is, is really mm -hmm. in, in the, the major position of priority with the legislature so tell us about what you've done and what you're currently working on i have been a seven-year participant on transportation and telecommunications uh, committee and that committee is such an encapsulation of who I am as a senator. It's not the big flashy uh, headline committee. It's kind of the behind the scenes workhorse committee, which is, is the uh, kind of a picture of the type of senator I am. Uh, so some of my greatest accomplishments have really been working through uh, some issues that have to do with well, for instance, the South Beltway here in Lincoln, uh, 
I passed a bill that helped make the timeline and the EPA studies that went into that uh, project, uh, it made the timeline shorter and save us money. Um, one of the things that I think the public probably remembers me for the most would be a pro-life bill that uh, ended uh, second term, second trimester abortions, uh, which was a very difficult bill to pass. It was a difficult time in our family's life as well. Uh, my daughter was going through repeated miscarriages during that period of time, and um, it was a painful time. But then at the very last day when that bill passed, um, my daughter told us that uh, she was pregnant and um, they now have a almost two-year-old boy. So that was a very memorable, uh, difficult, but memorable and then uh, joyous time in our family and my legislative history. Uh, what I'm working on right now, I have, through the years I've been here, not only have I dug deep into transportation and telecommunications issues, but I've all, I'm also on judiciary and I've spent a lot of time uh, studying and working with the criminal justice system and law enforcement. And this session, I am uh, again doing some of those issues. I am bringing forward a bill that uh, eliminates or makes a, a very specific crime of fentanyl, um, fentanyl related deaths it's a little bit complicated, but um, a scourge on our society right now. And we just don't have the uh, tools in our statutes to prosecute that uh, appropriately. So I'm bringing some legislation that will help uh, hopefully cut down on uh, fentanyl deaths and um, make that a crime that is a greater crime than it is currently. And tell us more about also the, the efforts and your opinion about these efforts to reform uh, our prisons. Can you kind of comment on that uh, issue? I can. I can comment on that. I, I brought a bill, LB50, which is uh, the, they're what we call the consensus items that came from the CJI gathering that we had a year ago, actually a year and a half ago now, um, where a group of us judges, uh, prosecutors, uh, elected officials, a group of us came together to study what we could do to to decrease our overpopulation problem. Uh, what ended up coming out of that is there were about 17 consensus items out of the 21 that we, uh, the 21 recommendations that came from that committee. Um, I distilled the consensus items into a bill for this year and um, left out the ones that were controversial, which we debated last year. Uh, the controversial ones focused on lowering penalties and sentences. And I contend that we, we're at a time in our state's history where we have uh, revenues, we have money that we can use to uh, really do a better job in our communities to offer mental health uh, drug treatment, uh, alternatives to incarceration, where I think we need to beef up those uh, services as opposed to lowering sentences and penalties before those services are uh, robust. Uh, if we just simply lower sen sentences and we lower penalties, we're letting people out in an environment that cannot support them and serve them. and. Therefore, we create a public safety problem. 
And so I'm I'm bringing a bill that that beefs up those services. It's not everything we need. Uh, I don't know that there's ever enough money to do everything we need, but it's a good start. And I contend that if we start focusing on reducing recidivism, we will reduce our prison population in a way that that actually helps the inmate get better and not return to the prison. You know, there's just so many I think we could have a whole show's length conversation just on this one topic, yes. right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's just a depth and breadth and of just uh, of just different nonprofits working to do that exact same thing yes. on the mm-hmm. inside and outside. Uh, groups like Released and Restored uh, offer that mentoring support like teammates mentoring does for uh-huh. within our regular schools. Two different right. apples, but still, there's there's good work being done. They just need more funding. Exactly. Uh, and it's all about the dollars some days, unfortunately. Yes, it is, unfortunately. Well, yeah, speaking speaking of the dollars, I mean, uh, Suzanne, what what do you foresee in the next, say, three to five years in terms of uh, funding from the federal government? We have the ARPA funds. We have lots of different programs. And, and you know, I, I've heard the term thrown around that the state is flush with cash. So, I mean, this is a temporary situation. Uh, what, are the, what are the moral hazards? that we're going to face uh, going forward as far as the state budget when those funds dry up? Boy, is that a good question, Lynn, and and one that I have not been asked, and I think you're very perceptive to ask that question. Uh, right now, uh, I feel like it's the everyone's living high on the hog. Uh, I When I was first elected, we had absolutely uh, no funds to spare. It was so easy to be a legislator because we just told everyone no. Now that we have funding <laughs> and we have a lot of funding, making the decisions of where that funding should go is tricky at best or at worst. And I hope wise at best. Uh, what the state typically is looking for is one-time funding so that we're not continue, we're not pouring funds into into a budget that will over time continue to grow. I think why I say your question is so perceptive is is the federal government does not have money that we as citizens do not give it, and the day will come that the the as we'll say the rent comes due, and federal funding will dry up. And I think to the degree that we as legislators are wise in in projecting forward what is coming for our financial future, which I would suggest the next three to five years, we will be in a time that will be far less flush with cash. We have to come back from this huge influx of federal dollars. And in my opinion, that will look like very lean years in the future. And um, being wise and preparing for that, I think, would be to our advantage. So let's carry that forward to uh, to the city of Lincoln. So you're running you're running to uh, be our mayor, and with your with your background, your knowledge, your experience in the legislature, and uh, what we're just talking about the future the future of Lincoln in particular from a budgetary standpoint, tell us about what you envision you can accomplish. One thing is setting priorities. Uh, uh, 
any good leader has a focus on what they want to do. And my goal would be to return us back to focusing on city business. Uh, what, in my opinion, what that consists of, it's very simple, um, public safety, good streets and infrastructure, business and jobs, things, it's very apolitical. Um, running a city is is not necessarily Republican, Democrat, or independent, in my opinion, if you focus on those things that are city business. I believe as a city, we have our hands in a whole lot of areas that are not those central city business focused arenas. And so speaking to the budget where we, in my opinion now, this is different from the state and being flush with ARPA dollars. The city was given some of those and those are mostly expended through the city. But what we're looking at now, we're in the middle of a budgetary period that the mayor raised about 11 to 12% over the biennium. As we, as a city are going into a time of inflation and belt tightening, which I would do just the opposite. Um, I believe that if, if the citizens are having to tighten their belt, the city should do the same. And so in my administration, that's exactly what we would look to do is be a reflection of what the citizens are going through. We would uh, reprioritize the things that we're involved in so that we can focus on building our uh, infrastructure as far as policing goes. We're at least 100 officers below where we should be. Um, that's at minimum. Uh, so that is a huge budgetary responsibility. Uh, we also need roads funding uh, and a more focus on roads funding. Uh, we do have a quarter cent sales tax that was passed to cover that. It's, in my opinion, not enough. And uh, I would like to use casino funding to add to that. Uh, and um, anyway, we're coming up with a, uh, a roads uh, package to uh, address uh, our roads without raising taxes. So um, sure. I think that's really important. And then finally, just being a business friendly city, uh, we need to focus on that as well. So those are the things I would do that are different from our administration currently. Be back in just a couple of minutes as we continue to talk with Suzanne Geist, who's running for mayor. So don't go anywhere. Welcome again to Our Street uh, for the second half of our show as we have a conversation with Suzanne Geist, who's running for mayor and and uh, still uh, a state senator and in the legislature right now in a very busy time. So, uh, Kurt, you have a question to start us off here. Yeah, no, Susan, I'm, I'm I'm looking at your website and uh, just we're going to ask you what it is later, but just I'll put it out there right now. But it's SusanGeistForMayor.com. Um, and when I look at your issues, those issues are very similar to what our current mayor is running on. And in the first half, you had, you had said that you would do things differently and that you had said that, you know, that, you know, that the budget had increased uh, a certain percentage over the biennium. And, and when I figure that out for an average homeowner, what a person pays in city taxes, that's an additional $64 in uh, city taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of savings can you hope to uh, achieve when that margin is so low. And I come from a mindset of the Butler administration. You know, 
go right. back 12 years ago, everything was 95% budget. There's always cuts on the table and city councils mm-hmm. had a really, no, no, it was a, it was a test of leadership and leadership style. So, right. so kind of a, kind of a, a two question pieces. Um, what would you eliminate or cut? And then what is your leadership style to then make that happen? Um, I'm going to address your second per, uh, question first. Sure, and sure. that is, and that is the, the leadership style is a open, uh, everyone at the table, collective, uh, collaboration is the word I'm looking for. Sure. Uh, what I've learned here at the legislature is that is trying to go it alone or a single um, echo chamber, a single way of thinking rarely comes up with the most creative, best ideas. Uh, and maybe that sounds simplistic to the audience, but in fact, it's very different from uh, the way many administrations run today. We are very polarized in our politics, which is why I said earlier, I don't think city business needs to be political. And in my administration, I will strive to make it not political. And let me explain what that means. Uh, It means bringing opposing voices to the table. I believe that working face-to-face, building relationships, whether that's with the city council, uh, with advisors, with the community, with developers, with builders, with business, with citizens, and um, groups of citizens. We have so such a diversity of perspectives in Lincoln that all have needs, all need to be heard. And um, in many cases, currently, it seems that that decisions are being made for a select group of people without that collaborative input that would make a more balanced uh, decision-making. And that's what I, I will bring is, is diversity of thought, diversity of input, mm-hmm. and then making decisions in a balanced way, taking into, a, into account those different needs. Someone yeah. has to <clears throat> be the boss so a decision has to be made, but I'm very focused on on collaboration and doing that uh, with a diversity of thought. With that in mind, our uh, mm-hmm. current mayor uh, prides herself on being very data-driven. Would you be the same data-driven uh, uh, thought of mind, or would you uh, rely more on uh, opinion of just of your no, advisors? I would- I would I would say I'm data driven as well. I want um, opinion is important, but uh, and data is important as well. It, and I would say it depends on the issue. For instance, in the floodplain issue, the data is not all in. And one of the things I would do have done or do differently is wait until all the studies are in. I understand that there's a sense of urgency, maybe with the administration, to address this issue. However, there's also alternatives that, yes, will be costly to the city, but over time would be less costly to the individual homeowner. And um, I think time needs to be given for all of that information to come in, all the creative ways that we could address the floodplain issue in a way that does not so affect so onerously the low-income homeowner that's 
that or business that happens to be in the floodplain, I would have I would make that decision very differently. I always thought that was a uh, interesting uh, piece of uh, thought. Just that floodplain piece. You know, when it comes to the low income homeowner, unless you, you know, do more than fifty percent of your value of a renovation in any single year, then that new rule isn't triggered. So you could do one half of your project in one year, let January come around and, and do another. So I think that was really more of a development concern. Mm -hmm. um, so when you had said that city processes shouldn't be political, um, mm -hmm. and I think it's always important just to look forward and into the future, just as you know, just to you know, be positive. But many people will also look back and say, well, did I really enjoy how an administration did X, Y, or Z? So it's going to be come up. It's, it's not fair to you. I'm going to apologize to ask you this question <laughs> because it's going to be, I'm asking for a simple answer to very complex things. Okay. One would be, uh, during the protests several years ago, how would you have handled that situation differently in Lincoln? I mean, that's just a whole show by itself. Mm -hmm. But what levers or things would you have done differently? Um, I'm going to suppose a few things. Oh, for instance, maybe a curfew was a good idea um i i don't have all the information that the mayor sure. had at her disposal so i'm just going to assume um that i imposed a curfew if i did i would imp i am a law and order type person um if i say something i am not a high volatile yell scream sure i'm a firm this is what i say this is what i mean um so if I impose a curfew, I would impose a curfew. Okay. If um, there were people that were um, in any way assaulting police officers, um, or it seemed that, that things would be getting out of hand uh, in any way, whether between the protesters and the officers, I would have felt very free to call the National Guard um, to keep order and to protect both sides. Um, that's what happened in Omaha. Um, now I'm armchair quarterbacking. Uh, <laughs> we all are. As, it, it's right okay. as as things um, unfolded, you have to make snap decisions. So I don't want to to be incredibly critical and sure. and not really have know what it's like to be in that situation sure. and have to make a snap decision. However, I I do believe I would have called the National Guard, protected the businesses. I there I just had a visceral response to seeing our city businesses by the Capitol uh, burning. And it made me angry. And um, sure. I would have done whatever I could <laughs> to protect those businesses and then hold people to account. It's not okay for you to come into our city, whether you're a citizen or out of the city and think that you have reign to destroy our property right. and potentially hurt people without consequence and um i would have held people responsible for that behavior so so um, i just have i just have i just have one more question Linda, then I'm, I'm i'm pretty much done i didn't have free reign i said that in time to you before in the past so anyway <laughs> during your time in the legislature <clears throat> there were efforts to take away local control from local health boards Mm -hmm. Now that you are running for that local position, would you still support that or would you want to retain as much local control as possible to help you achieve your efforts going forward? Who knows whatever might come forward? Would you want to retain local local control now? 
you know, that's a question of consistency. And I did co-sign that legislation that that asked for our health department to be enfolded into the rest of the state's health departments. And I would be consistent with that. I, okay. I, I understand that that I could look at it differently being the, the head of the city, but it, I, I do believe that it is really in our best interest to be able to uh, have a state that everyone is treated the same. Um, and, and I would hold to that. I, I do believe that's the best way as far as the health departments go. Um, I, I am not, uh, Yes, I would. I would. The reason I would. The reason, the reason I would ask that is that if we take that logic down further, you know, if the state would impose a a, a blanket, you know, zoning change or a zoning restrictions or a zoning allowance that may not be in the best favor of certain portions of our community, we get into that same situation as well, right? Correct. And and actually, those, um, you know, it, it, it's complicated because every issue brings its own set of, of circumstances. And so typically what happens if a city, Omaha, Lincoln, Grand Island, Kearney, if they have issues going on within their city, they plead to the state and their senators to help um, rectify whatever that conflict is. And um, so, yes, I do believe local control is important, but I also believe that there are times that it's that it's good to be treated the same and not have a carve out for so it i would say it could depend upon the issue but in that issue i felt it was more of a it, it ended up being a, a bit more divisive uh, than it was a uniter in our city and and maybe that just was the pocket of people that you were with but certainly businesses struggled under that situation in our city and um i just saw more positive being treated sure. the same than us being independent and treated differently suzanne i'd like to hear more about your ideas of economic economic development um programs okay. to maybe help help some of the uh, older more um less uh, maybe many of the city uh, any ideas where what we can do there as a city you know um I've been sitting down with a number of people who just have, there's so many small uh, pockets of exciting things going on in the city that are uh, geared towards economic development. Uh, and the small pockets I think co looked at collectively are can set up a very exciting vision of where we could go in the future. One of those I'm sure you all have heard about and I'm very supportive of the, um, prospect of a convention center here in Lincoln. Um, I think that would be a positive for our city and a growth uh, potential for our city. Uh, there's also the, the ball fields, which uh, have been on the horizon and in people's mind for years and years and years, since way before I was in uh, public office. And those things appear to be coming to fruition. Well, there are other things that, um, are happening in smaller arenas. For instance, I was just at the Malone Center yesterday and talking with John Goodwin about the programs that they're offering kids that are coming from low-income families and offering STEM and leadership 
all these opportunities so that kids that may not have had a vision of what their future could be uh, are empowered by a number of different opportunities that are available to them to actually go to college or have a sports scholarship or to uh, have an aviation future. So as I was talking with Mr. Goodwin about that, um, it was exciting to project that type of opportunity because of the hugely philanthropic uh, society that Lincoln is. Uh, but over kind of folding the, that type of opportunity among our um, some lower advantaged youth in our community and lifting them up out of the situation they're in and giving them a bright future. And then the, the thought of having pockets like that in different areas of our community that collectively we as a city could be focusing on, on the areas of disadvantage and making those opportunity communities. Uh, we just had such a wonderful conversation about how that would project such a different opportunity and excitement to uh, areas of our community. And um, anyway, I'm looking at uh, projecting over the next 10 years, where could we be? What are the possibilities of creative business incubator ideas uh, that are planted in um, and opportunities for not just business, but for future education, whether that's higher education or uh, uh, trades training coming out of areas that aren't necessarily uh, school, but community centers and uh, what could we do collectively with our uh, with our city that's out of the box thinking and uh, and lifts up some of our communities that have been neglected for a while.